Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Expecting God to move with power tonight. I'm expecting God to move like never before. Tonight is going to be one of those nights where the power of God breaks out, where people get healed, where people get delivered, where people get set free because we are talking about the blood of Jesus. Yes, we've been talking about the cross, but tonight we're going to be talking about the blood. Many of us have sung songs about the blood of Jesus. We've talked about the blood of Jesus. We say the blood of Jesus has power and we know that it could heal. We know that it could protect us. We know that it brings breakthrough. We know it protects from the spirit of death the power of death but there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of lack of understanding around the blood of jesus now i'm not going to give you this big theological thing or give you all these things to confuse you but i want to give you ways that we could apply the blood i want to talk about the blood and we're going to talk about how the blood gives us power over the enemy and i label this god's atomic bomb god's atomic power because this is an atomic bomb against satan's kingdom you have to remember that satan absolutely hates absolutely hates nothing more than what Jesus did on the cross and you're in deliverance ministry you know this absolutely hates the blood of Jesus the shedding of Christ's blood was the stripping away of Satan's power over humanity his power over death Satan did have keys but on the cross Jesus stripped him from his power so there is no greater power friend I want to tell you right now that one drop of the blood of Jesus has more power than every demon in existence oh come on help me preach Holy Ghost that one drop of the blood of Jesus can break every demonic strategy, can break every demonic assignment, can break every demonic plan. And I plead the blood over you. I prophesy that the blood of Jesus is going to come over your family, that the blood of Jesus is going to cleanse you, that it's going to break every shackle. Who am I preaching to tonight? That it's going to break every chain, that Jesus gained victory over the enemy through the shedding of his blood. This was this was the victory of the cross, the war was won on the cross Jesus defeated the enemy once and for all on that cross when he shed his blood so there is untold power in the blood of Jesus so if you don't know about the blood of Jesus if you've not heard about it or you don't know how to apply it or you don't know the power that it has I know for some of you're like oh I didn't want to hear about this it's just it's not you know either deep enough or it's not cool enough or it's not clickbait enough but friend you have to understand there's no greater topic there's no greater power than what Jesus did in his blood and I pray that by the end of this broadcast you will begin to appreciate the price that was paid for you on the cross because I think that the blood is underappreciated in the American church I don't think we appreciate the blood enough I don't think we appreciate the cross enough and I don't ever want to get hard-hearted to what Jesus did on the cross I don't ever want to get hard-hearted to the blood of Jesus I want to remain soft I want to remain hungry I want to remain desperate I I don't want my heart to be calloused for what Jesus did on the cross I want it to bring me to tears I want the thought of what Jesus did on the cross I want the thought of the blood of Jesus to bring me to tears because this is what washed me this is what purified me this is what broke me out of bondage in fact in Revelation chapter 12 if you're taking notes verse 11 it says and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb him being the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death 
They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And this is why I said, guys, this is God's atomic bomb. What Jesus did on the cross, there is untold power in this. First John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin so not only is the blood of jesus our weapon against the enemy not only is the blood of jesus our weapon against demonic powers not only is the blood of jesus our protection from death our protection from the enemy our protection from what the devil has planned for us but also the bible says and the blood of jesus cleanses us from all sin so this is the cleansing agent the cleansing power that actually washes off us washes us of our sin what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of jesus so i don't know about you but i constantly need to be cleansed we are out in the world constantly around darkness constantly around filth constantly around sin constantly around the things of this world and the blood of jesus is constantly able to be applied to our life to be able to wash us so his blood keeps cleansing us it keeps washing us and i want to tell you this about the blood of jesus it is not a one-time thing the blood of Jesus is not a one-time thing many people think well God forgave me at salvation and if I sin again or if I do anything wrong they are now condemned now I'm condemned because I already got washed I already got cleansed I already got forgiven and so now it's like we've ran out of blood but friend you have to understand that the same blood that washed you the first time this oh come on this is good preaching I feel the power of God the same blood that cleansed you the first time come on share this the same blood that washed you the first time I came to prophesy to somebody that the blood will wash you again if you've been feeling down if you've been feeling like you've lost the the favor of God you've lost the power of God you've been feeling condemned or you've been feeling ashamed or you've been feeling dirty I came dirty I came to tell you that the same blood that washed you the first time come on get up off the ground is the same blood that's going to wash you tonight that there is power in the blood and I'm prophesying that somebody is going to be cleansed tonight by the blood of Jesus somebody is going to come out of shame in Jesus name somebody is going to come out of guilt by the blood of Jesus somebody is going to come out from under the bondage of sin because the blood of Jesus breaks us free the blood of Jesus cleanses the blood of Jesus come on just right now take a moment and say Lord thank you for your blood thank you for what you did on the cross thank you for shedding your blood that it was by your shed blood that I can walk justified that I can walk in your righteousness that I can walk in holiness that I can walk in purity that I'm no longer dirty I'm washed by the blood of Jesus I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus you're not dirty anymore you're not filthy anymore you're not unclean any longer thank God that the blood of Jesus was shed so that we might be cleansed so sometimes many of us we dwell on bondage and dwell on our mistakes instead of letting God cleanse us pray Lord wash me in your blood this should be a prayer we're always praying Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace so you are forgiven through his blood you are washed through his blood and some of you need to stop reminding God of the sin he forgave you of the Bible says he throws our sin in a deep sea the sea of forgetfulness he remembers our sin no more and so we've repented we've given it up we said Lord change us deliver us we're turning from it wash us and then many of us are going back and reminding God of sin that he already forgot about he said I've already cleansed you and by you keep coming over and over for the same sin I've already washed you of 
Are you saying that my blood is not good enough for you? Are you saying that my blood does not have enough power? Are you saying that the blood of Jesus isn't capable? And this is why I can't stand people that say, I'm always going to live in sin. I'm always going to be in the power of sin until I die. Then one day I'll be able to do this, do this, do this. So you're telling me death is going to deliver you from your sin, not the blood of Jesus? Because my Bible says it is by the blood of Jesus that I have been redeemed. It is by the blood of Jesus that I have power over the enemy. It is by the blood of Jesus that I have been cleansed and I have been washed. And so I'm not looking Come on, help me preach tonight. I'm not looking for another way to get clean. I'm not looking for like another answer. Like maybe if I just go to enough therapy, maybe if I go to enough counseling, maybe if I go to enough this or that or prayer meetings, that's not how you get cleansed. The cleansing power is in the blood of Jesus. So if you're dealing and you're under this power of shame, which I've been under it before, I came to tell you that the devil and his grandmother are a liar, that the devil is a liar, that you don't have to live under shame anymore, that you can live under freedom, that you can live under the power of God, that by the blood, you're able to boldly, oh man, this is good preaching tonight. You're able to boldly approach the throne of grace. So be thankful because for so many years, you couldn't approach God. The Bible says that you were an enemy. You were at war with God, that you made yourselves enemies to God and that there was no peace, but by the blood and by the cross, we now, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. We now are at peace with God. Think about this. We are now because of the cross and the blood at peace with God. At one time, Isaiah Saldivar was at war with God. Every thought was against God. The Bible says our carnal man, our carnal mind is enmity with God. It's warring against God. It's fighting against God. But because of what he did, he said, now I've signed a peace treaty with you. And now I'm at peace with you. I'm no longer at war with you. I'm no longer, you're no longer fighting against me, but now we can be reconciled, reconnected. And that's why the Bible says you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You have been called, marked, mandated, assigned, anointed, appointed, destined however you want to say it by God to reconcile people back to the father to reconcile people back to God so that should be enough for us to motivate us to share our testimony that should motivate us to pray that should motivate us to fast that should motivate us to desperation this should make us want to serve God because of what he's done this is like Lord I, I all I can do is give you my life all I can do is give you my hands. All I can do is say thank you for what you did. All I can say thank you for the blood of Jesus. I don't know where I would be, guys. Honestly, I would be dead if it wasn't for my parents pleading the blood over the doorpost of my life. I should have been dead over and over and over. Why didn't I die? Because there was blood over the doorpost of my life and that angel of death, that power of death had to pass over me. So somebody right now, you need to plead the blood over the doorpost of your family. You need to plead the blood over the doorpost of your marriage. You you need to plead the blood over the doorpost of your business. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over your marriage right now. The enemy would want more than anything nothing more than to infiltrate and destroy your marriage infiltrate and destroy your relationship infiltrate and destroy your children and the truth is many of you listening your kid is only alive because of the blood of jesus so don't get up in this broadcast oh you're going to talk about something more interesting the blood's not interesting enough i want something more interesting talk to me about spiritual spouses and demons friend understand this that you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the blood that many of you like me would be dead if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, but you ought to stop for a moment and say, I'm on borrowed time. God has told me this over and over. Isaiah, you are on borrowed time. 
You're literally living on borrowed time. Your time, your energy, your day doesn't belong to you because I spared you. Your life is alone. You should have been dead over and over, like literally dead. But God's hand, because of the blood, kept sparing you over. So there's actual protection in the blood of Jesus. Divine protection over your marriage, over your kids. Oh, oh man, this is good preaching. Over your family. And so understand that there's that type of power in the blood. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Pay careful attention to, to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So the Holy Spirit has made us as leaders overseers over you. There's 2,000 of you watching live right now. God has made me, the Holy Spirit has made me an overseer over you. This is why I can't be soft. This is why I can't play games. This is why I can't let the devil do his thing in our, up in our community as we have to keep challenging him. We have to keep confronting him. We have to keep breaking through because the Holy Spirit has made me an overseer. But here's what Acts 20, 28 says, to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. So it says he obtained the church with his blood. He bought back the church with his blood and we've been purchased now by the blood of Jesus. The cost to buy us back was the blood of Jesus. What a price to pay. What a price. The blood was the price to buy us back. Now, one of the important principles to know about the blood of Jesus, if you're taking notes, is there is life in the blood. That life is actually found in the blood. The way that you're able to be alive right now, the way you're able to be breathing is because blood is pumping through your veins. If it wasn't for blood, there would be no life. No one can live without blood in their body. So understand that when you think about blood, as we talk about the blood of Jesus throughout this broadcast, think of the life of God. Think of the power of God. Think of the sustaining of God, the abundant life. This was the last lamb. Jesus was the last lamb that was slain for the sins of the world that I no longer have to bring an animal into the temple. I no longer have to bring some sacrifice. Jesus was the final and the last sacrifice to atone for all of our sins. So. Praise the Lord that I don't have to try to bring something to kill. Bring it on Sunday morning. Imagine bringing an animal every week. But now because of the shed blood of Jesus, he has purchased us. And tonight we will take communion as a reminder of his body and his blood. If you look at John 6, 54 through verse 56, Jesus said, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now this statement that Jesus made, made thousands of people left him. Thousands left because blood is offensive. And Jesus is getting up saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. But you have to remember the cross to those that are perishing is an offense. And so Jesus was testing their heart. He was saying, I want to see where you really are at. Why are you actually following me? Are you following me to get benefits so that I can keep feeding you, healing you, delivering me? Or are you following me because you actually want pardon me? So this is what he says in John 6, 53. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So listen to me closely. Apart from the blood of Jesus, 
there is no life. Why? Because the life is found in the blood. Every one of us depend on God for life. The very breath in your lungs come from God. And without God, there would be no life because God is the originator and the creator of life. The atheist only has life because of God. So understand the life is found in the blood. Now, when Jesus looked at the disciples and said, are you guys going to leave too? Peter said, where would we go, Jesus of Nazareth? You have the words of eternal life. Here's what Peter was saying. I have nothing to go back to. I have laid everything down. See, the true mark of discipleship, the true mark that you're following Jesus fully is when you have nothing to go back to. People say, do you ever think you'll backslide? And I tell them, what would I slide back into? I have nothing to go back to. The relationships are gone. The stuff's gone. The numbers are gone. The friendships are gone. The old connections are gone. Everything I used to do, I am now dead to, and I'm alive in Christ. If there's something, listen to me closely. I'm going to help some of you new new believers tonight. If there's something for you to go back to, you have not died yet. If there's something for you to go back to, you're not fully following Jesus. But if you can find your way back, if there's still a path to go backwards, then I want to say you've not been truly born again. Why? What did Nicodemus say? How could I go back in my mother's womb? Another, oh, I, this is a revelation I'm getting on the spot right here. In other words, once you're born again, there's no path back from being born again. You cannot be reborn back again. So if you're truly born again, that's why the Bible says anyone that follows God or is in the Father, they don't keep sinning. And if they do, John says that they're children of Satan. Why are they children of Satan? Because it's proof that they've not been born of God. That's why in John 1, it says we've been given right, we've been given the right to become children of God. So when you're born again, you don't go back and then get reborn into sin, then go back and get reborn in God, keep getting born again, 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 again. God says, I want you to be born again and I want you to stay born again. Now, I'm not saying there's not grace if you fall. I'm not saying if you backslide, there's not, God can't welcome you back in, but I'm saying if you're truly born again, you don't keep living this lifestyle of sin. You don't keep going back and trying to be born again. And this is why the American church, all they preach is salvation. Every week, salvation, salvation, salvation. Get saved, get saved. Why? Because we keep going back to sin. But the writer of Hebrews says, why do we have to keep going back to the basic things of God? The basic things are repentance unto salvation. And the writer of Hebrews is like, I'm trying to teach you something else, but you guys want to keep going back to the good news every single week. I had someone recently like, why don't you ever preach the good news? I told them, I'm teaching and training disciples. I'm teaching the church how to wake up and walk in their right. Hebrews says, stop going back to the basic thing over and over and over. If you want that, you can go to your church because every week we're trying to get people saved over and over and it's the same people at our altar calls. And the reason is they're not getting healed. They're not getting delivered and they're not hearing a biblical gospel. We are preaching a partial watered down gospel. So people are not truly being born again. So what do we have to do every week? Get saved again, get saved again. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus died on the cross so that you can get saved every single week and never actually change? The night I got saved, I was an atheist and I went to the altar and I said, I'm not praying the sinner's prayer. I literally said that. I said, I'm not doing this because over and over, it was just pray the sinner's prayer, pray the sinner's prayer, pray the sinner's prayer. When are you going to get tired of this cycle and move into something deeper and say, wait a minute, God did not die so I can keep getting saved week after week after week, but Jesus died to give me life and give me life more abundantly. So you need to understand this is not just about the basic things of getting saved over and over and over. This is about walking in the power of the anointing and the destiny that God has called you to walk in. So 
I'll say what the writer of Hebrews said. Let us move on from basic elementary every week getting saved again, having these plays that are not even godly where we have to try to emotionally stir everybody to get them to the altar so we can shoot them with laser beams and shoot them with fog machines and get them to pray an emotional prayer and then go home and not be different and not be changed. I want the power of God, Romans 1, 16, it's the power of God unto salvation. I want the power of God to break out in churches where people actually get saved. People actually get delivered. People actually get set free because you have to understand there are two opposite persons in scripture. There's two opposing forces. There's a life giver and there's the life taker. So remember, the life is in the blood. This is how we gain life. But in John 10, 10, it says, the thief does not come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come, this is the words of Jesus. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus is talking here about two opposing people. And he says, one of them gives life and the other one does the exact opposite is he takes life. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life and not just life, because remember the life's in the blood, but I've come to give you life more abundantly. The thief being Satan, who is an absolute real person. He is a real spiritual being. Let me tell you this. Satan is not fictional. He's not some creature in movies. He's not detached from what's going on in the world. If you want to believe if Satan's real or not and he's influencing humanity, just turn on the TV for 10 minutes. Go on social media for 10 minutes. Go on TikTok for 10 minutes and then try to tell me that Satan's not at work in the earth in our generation. You'll see his fingerprint everywhere you look within minutes. He has fully infiltrated every aspect of our society. He is very real in the world and he's working tirelessly to keep you from believing God's word and staying in bondage. And I've even caught myself trapped in this. I'm like, you know, we have Satan in our minds as like, he's far off in some other country and he's not really interested in what's going on in America. He's not really interested in what's going on in the world. And he's kind of like on vacation in Hawaii or maybe he's in hell or maybe he's like in the third heaven. But understand that Satan is alive and well working in our generation to silence the church. He's not as interested in keeping the world in bondage as much as he is putting the church in bondage because he already has the world. He already owns the world. He already is the lowercase God of this world. So his interest is getting you off track and not letting you realize the power that you have in God. So understand the only territory that Satan has is the territory a Christian has not come and taken from, taken from him. So we need to raise up as believers, true biblical disciples that are going to take back territory because there's something that happens when you get to a place where you decide you are no longer okay with coexisting with darkness. You're no longer co okay with coexisting with the enemy. I wish somebody would have preached this to me before I was saved. You're no longer okay with letting Satan take from you. You're no longer okay okay with him robbing you of peace. You're no longer okay with him robbing you of joy. You're no longer okay. You have to say enough is enough. It's time for you, Satan, to be on the receiving end of destruction, not me. When are you going to go on the offense? Stop being on the defense and letting Satan steal your lunch all the time and letting him take from you. Come out from under those soft pastors that are not telling you that you have power in Christ that you are overcomers, that you have power in the blood of Jesus. It's time, oh, come on, Holy Ghost, help me preach tonight. It's time for you to go from the defensive to the offensive and start wreaking havoc on his kingdom instead of letting Satan wreak havoc on you. Flip the script on the enemy. 
turn the tables on the enemy and say now i'm coming to destroy your kingdom i'm going to be launched like a nuclear warhead into satan's kingdom and i'm going to bring destruction and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against me when i come to those gates they are not going to stand because i am a battering ram in the hands of god i am a weapon in god's arsenal i am armed and dangerous to satan's kingdom I'm armed and dangerous. So I'm not playing patty cake. I'm not playing Chuck E. Cheese. I'm not going through the motions. I'm not living in Satan's agenda. I am coming to destroy Satan's kingdom. This is what the devil's afraid of. He is not afraid of you warming a chair. He's not afraid of you giving 5% of your income. He's afraid of you being armed and dangerous. These are the things that he does. The life taker, the Bible says he comes to steal. He wants to take away everything that God has given us and everything that God has planned for us. This is our peace he wants to steal. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our mind. He wants to steal our health. He wants to steal happiness in our relationships. He wants to steal the peace out of your marriage. See, when you start recognizing the schemes of the enemy, you'll stop blaming your husband or wife. And you're like, why am I always mad at them? Why am I always unhappy? Why am I always this? And there's always, and start saying, wait a minute. Now I'm recognizing my wife's not the problem. My husband's not the problem. There is a demonic power that is trying to steal my passion, my joy, my peace, my relationship, my, my uh, health, my mind, every good thing that comes from God in my marriage. There's something trying to... So now I take my focus off my husband or wife and fighting them, and I aim it to the real target who is the adversary of my soul. And now I can say, wait, it's, it's the thief that comes to take. It's not my wife trying to take from me. It's not my husband. It's the thief. Now, it might be a spirit influencing them, but I'm not going to attack them. I'm going to go after the spirit because I'm going to recognize that the thief is the one stealing from me. So I'm properly recognizing my enemy. You are not my enemy. Your pastor is not your enemy. Your, your marriage is not your enemy. Your husband's not your enemy. Your kids are not your enemy. Your kids are driving you nuts. They're not your enemy. There is a spirit that is wreaking havoc in your family and you need to target it in prayer. The devil is coming to steal the peace out of your home. I hear the Lord saying that somebody is going to get, let me prophesy over you, somebody is going to get peace back in Jesus' name. That the peace that the enemy has taken, I hear the Lord saying some of you, the peace has been taken because of the situation happening to your kids. The devil has used your son or daughter to take the peace out of your home. But I prophesy over you in Jesus' name, that the peace of God is coming back to your family. Maybe he's used a relationship. Maybe there's a friend at work that your husband's been talking to, a female friend that he shouldn't be talking to, and she's come and robbed you of trust. She stole, she's made your marriage have no trust in it. Or maybe it's vice versa. Your wife is at work and there's a guy there that's trying to get in the way of your marriage and the devil's using that person to come and steal. I come against it now in Jesus name. No longer will the thief rob our relationships. No longer will the thief take from us. Stop letting the thief take from you and take back what God has given you. We need to stop blaming God. I want to tell you right now, God is not taken. God is not the taker. God is the giver. You need to recognize this is not God trying to take from you. It's the kingdom of darkness who has stolen from you. So don't direct your anger at God, direct your anger at Satan's kingdom. Some people have had more stuff stolen than others. Maybe the devil's taken more from you than he's taken from me. But regardless, we need to get our fight back. 
You got to understand that there is a fight in you. If the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, there is a fight in you. I refuse to be soft sideline Christian. No more soft sideline Christians. I am a frontline warrior. I'm not a spectator. I'm a spiritual sniper. I'm on the front lines. I'm aggressive and the devil is not going to keep taking from me. I hear stories all the time of people saying the devil came in completely destroyed someone's life and he stole from every angle. That's what the thief does. He comes to steal. So recognize he's the one trying to take, not God. The, the second thing it says he wants to do is he wants to kill. Satan's, Satan's a murderer and he wants to physically kill you. If this is through sickness, if this is through overeating, if this is through undereating, if this is through drugs, alcohol, nicotine, any addiction he'll, he can use, he will use it to literally kill you. Alcohol and drugs, think about it, are the two major things that Satan uses to kill people. And it's no secret that those who drink often, do drugs often, smoke often, they live shorter lives. And listen to me closely, if the devil can take one day from you, then he's won. If he can take one day from you, then he's happy to do it. So he's actually trying to kill you. You need to recognize this. He's like, he's literally trying to kill you. He's not just trying to take from you, but he ultimately wants to kill you and not just kill you physically, but also kill you spiritually and emotionally. He wants to kill your joy, kill your peace, kill your sense of security, kill relationships, kill your passion, kill your praise, kill your hunger for God, kill your desire to pray. He is the life taker. And when you realize, oh, I wish I could shout louder, but I'm shouting as loud as I can. When you realize that Satan is not your friend, when you realize that you need to stop flirting with darkness, I'm telling you, friend, when you come to this realization, you will no longer watch, do, listen, and engage in activities that support the kingdom of darkness. It's the same thing with drinking. Like, oh, is it bad if a Christian drinks? Well, listen, if you go buy alcohol, you're supporting the kingdom of darkness. You think God's kingdom is the one that's selling alcohol? You think God's kingdom is the one that's promoting alcohol? You think God's kingdom is the one that's promoting secular music and ungodly movies? This is all, These are Satan's kingdom, Satan's structure, using alcohol to kill people, using drugs to kill people, using addiction and nicotine to kill people. So get out of here with that whole... It's not a big deal, brother. It's just one drink. Yes, but you're putting your money in Satan's pocket. You're putting your money in the kingdom of darkness's bank account. So forget about all the arguing. Now, I give you tons of verses in one of the videos I've done on drinking about why you shouldn't drink. I don't even have to tell you a verse or that, even though I do give verses, but I'm letting you know we need to resist and we need to strip off the things that benefit Satan's kingdom or that support Satan's kingdom. Because I can't be supporting Satan's kingdom in one voice, in one verse, in one word or whatever, in one in one moment, and then the other moment trying to be rebuking Satan's kingdom. So you need to choose a side. You need to understand that all Satan is doing is killing and taking from you. So you need to think about when is when has drinking benefited me? All drinking has done is taken from me. All bitterness has done has taken from me. All drugs have done is taken from me. Friend, where has resentment got you? I'm asking you, where has addiction got you? It's, it's got you isolated. It's destroyed your family. It's destroyed your marriage. It's broken the things around you. It's done nothing from you. So recognize this and turn from it. He's trying to kill you. Stop dating the person that's trying to, and some of you are you're like, you're like that girl in that relationship where she's being abused and everyone's like, why are you still in that relationship? Like come out of that relationship, but you keep going back to it. This is how Satan is. He's abusive. And for whatever reason, he's convinced you that he loves you and he cares about you and he has a plan for you and a purpose for you when the Bible says clearly that he is a taker. He wants to take from you. 
The last thing Jesus said is the life taker. Remember, Satan's a life taker. He comes to destroy. And the destruction comes far beyond or goes far beyond this life. The Bible says in Matthew 10, 28, that God has authority to destroy both body and soul in a place called Gehenna, a place called hell. It's a place of torment, a place of fire, and a place of unending agony. And this is the ultimate purpose of Satan is for every person to go there. Satan's goal is not merely to destroy your emotions, destroy your finances or relationships. His goal is that you would die prematurely separated from God and banished banished from the presence of God and tormented forever in hell. Now, God, don't get it mistaken here. Satan is not the one that has power to destroy your hell, your, your, um, your soul in hell. God is the one that has the power. So Satan's goal is to get you out of position with God under sin and condemnation out from under the blood of Jesus so you have no, so God has no choice but to put you where you want to go and that is hell. Let me make this clear for the record. Satan doesn't throw anybody in hell, okay? Satan does not have power to throw people into hell. The Bible says God is the one that does this. He's the one that has the power over your soul. He's the one that has the power over hell and one day Satan will be thrown in hell, but understand Satan wants to get you out of position with God to get you in a place where you will be destroyed for all of eternity. Now, the Bible says he comes like a thief. Now, I want you to understand and think about this. This is something you probably have never considered. A thief does not come, knock, 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 I am a thief. That's not how a thief comes. He does not come the way you think he comes. He also doesn't come when you think he'd come. A thief is sneaky and crafty. And Jesus says the thief, who is the enemy, the still kill and destroy, he says the thief comes as a thief. So if you recognize that devil's a thief, you'll understand how he's working in your life. The thief, thief doesn't say, I'm coming at three o'clock in the morning. He comes in undetected. A thief comes in in the darkness of night, so the victim doesn't even know he's come. And many times the victim of a thief will wake up in the morning only to find his or her stuff stolen, and the stuff was taken while they were sleeping, and they never saw it coming. I mean, this is the story of so many people. The enemy comes in and takes from us, and we are unaware. We never saw it coming. We never had our defenses up. We were never able to fight back. In fact, this is why demons hide is because they want to steal from you without you seeing them doing it. They steal in the cover of darkness and they only get exposed when someone confronts them or they overplay their hand. So understand Satan and demons, they don't work in the light. They work in darkness, okay? So don't think the devil's going to be obvious. He's not going to come to you and say, oh, by the way, I'm the devil and go ahead and watch that movie. I'm the devil. Go ahead and drink that bottle. By the way, I'm the devil. Go ahead and keep doing those drugs. I'm the devil. Keep flirting. No, he comes in sneaky, robs you, and then you wake up and you go, how did I lose my marriage? How did I lose my children? Come on. Some of you, this is you. How did I, how am I, how have I been addicted to heroin for 20 years? How have I been addicted to alcohol for 30 years? How has this happened? I don't even know, like Samson in the middle of the pillars, how did I get here? The way you got there was the thief came while you were sleeping and stole from you and you didn't even recognize that he was moving. You didn't even recognize that he was functioning. You didn't even recognize that he was destroying you. So Satan comes like a thief undetected in the darkness. And tonight I believe the Lord is going to wake someone up in Jesus name. The reason why he has such an easy time stealing from you is because you are sleeping and God wants to wake you up. God wants to open up your eyes so you recognize the thief coming. Okay, another way that thieves operate, I hope I'm helping someone type one if I'm helping you is, not only do thieves come in the cover of night, but thieves also work in deception. Thieves scam you. This is what a scam is. 
They make something look so good to be true, whether this is on Craigslist, whether this is a house, a phone, a boat, an offer, where you're trying to buy something and you go, man, this cell phone's so cheap, or this house is so cheap, or this is so cheap. And uh, many of us, I think all of us have gotten scammed. I got scammed one time getting a car that I bought. Uh, years ago, I was like 17 years old and I got scammed my first car that I bought, the guy scammed me. But I, th I know many of you have probably gotten scammed, whether it was a, a phone or how scammers, they try to make something so good to be true. And Satan is a scammer. Demons are scammers. They come with this big old, it sounds too good to be true. I'll give you this. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. This is how the devil operates. He comes in and says, I'll give you a wonderful life. I'll give you pleasure. You're going to have money. You're going to have whatever you want. And whenever you buy into the deception, you realize it was a scam and it wasn't worth the price that you had to pay. Let me give you an example for some of you that have gotten remarried or you cheated on your wife or you left your family or your wife or your kids or whatever. And the devil said, if you go be with this new girl, it'll be so much better. If you go be with this new guy, it'll be so much better because, you know, your husband didn't treat you right. He was always at work. He was never there for you. But if you go with this person, they'll be there for you. If you go do this and the devil whispers in your ear that you'll have an amazing life if you go do this. You'll have an amazing life if you go to that. This is a lie from the devil. And he deceives you and you go, maybe I could do, get more money if I go here. And I, you know, it's not really lying and I'm just gonna kind of deceive people and I'm gonna do this and be unhonest. And maybe he's right. Maybe if I do leave my husband, I can find someone better. Or maybe if I do start dating this guy that I'm talking at work, it always starts. Nobody goes off and wakes up and says, I'm going to go cheat on my spouse. I'm going to go cheat on this thing. I'm going to go rob. No, you wake up and that voice of the enemy comes and scams you and deceives you and tries to promise you more pleasure, more money, whatever you want. I got you. Satan opens up his trench coat and says, what do you want? I'll offer you. He tried to offer you Jesus this. He tried to say, I'll give you all of this if you just worship me. And Jesus knew better. He knew that Satan is a liar. So understand the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Don't let him sneak in. Don't let him deceive you. Don't let him use his tricks and tactics against you. So that's the life taker. But here's Jesus. Jesus is the life giver. He does the exact opposite of the devil. He doesn't take but Jesus gives. And this is what we've been talking about the last few weeks. He takes our pain and gives us healing. He takes our shame and gives us glory. He takes our sinfulness and gives us righteousness. He takes our curses and gives us blessings. He takes our death and gives us life. It goes on and on and on. He says, I don't just give you life, but I give you life more abundantly. This is the abundant life that Jesus has for those that faithfully serve him. I said, I want to give you abundant life. I don't just want to give you life, but I want to give you an exciting life. If you're a bored Christian, you're doing it wrong. He goes, I want to give you an exciting life. I want to give you peace and I want to give you passion and I want to give you joy and I want to give you hope and I want to give you a future and I want to give you a desperation for me and I want to give you a family and children and a marriage and I want to set things up. But here's the thing. You got to do it my way because some of you, you want the blessings of God, but you're doing it the enemy's way. And you're like, why is it that I'm doing it all? Everything's not working out in my life because you're not doing it the right way. You're not doing it the proper way because you're engaged, but you're sleeping around and you're messing around. And God says, that's not the right way to do it. Or you're at your business and you're cheating on your taxes and you're going, God, why aren't you blessing me? And God says, because you're doing it the wrong way. If you want what I have, you have to do it my way. And my way is not a way where you can sleep with someone before marriage. My way is not a way where you can cheat on your taxes. My way is not a way where you can rob people and lie to people and you guys we do all these things and we're like 
Why aren't you blessing me, God? How about because you're lazy? Maybe that's why God's not blessing you. You want God to open the door and God opens the door, but then you're lazy at the job. So you have to understand if you want the blessing of God, you need to do it the way that God wants you to do it. There's a God-ordained way. There's a God-ordained blueprint. If you want the exciting life, the supernatural life, man, I'm preaching strong tonight. If you want the abundant life, you need to do it in the manner and in the way in which God has called you to do it, not the way that you want to do it. Because we already know the way you want to do it. You want to do it the easy way. You want the path of least resistance. You want to know how much of the world can I have while still being a Christian. But I believe that we're raising up an army. Come on, help me tonight. An army of people that say, I'm not trying to do the least amount possible, but I want to go all the way in God. I want to go all the way for God. I want the exciting, the abundant life. I'm telling you, there's nothing like living the abundant life. One day for Christ is better than a thousand days for the enemy. There's nothing boring about this life. He says, I've given you a choice, life or death. And so many of you choose death. So many of them let the devil rob them instead of taking the, the life that God has for them. So today, choose life and choose God. Choose to serve the life giver and not the life taker. Here's what you need to understand. For Jesus to be able, if you're taking notes, to give us life, there was a cost to redemption. There was a price to purchase us. There was a price to give us life. There was blood that had to be shed so that we can live this exciting, abundant, supernatural life. So I want you to realize this. Every time you praise, every time you shout, every time you worship God, every time you're at the altar, every time you lay hands on the sick, every time you cast out a demon, every time you have freedom in your mind, every time you have peace in your soul, every time you experience the blessing of God, I want you to stop and I want you to realize that this came at a price. It wasn't free for me to be able to worship. It wasn't free for me to be able to cast out demons. It wasn't free for me to lay hands on the sick. It wasn't free for me to have peace in my mind. It cost God something for you to walk in freedom, for you to have the life of God in your veins, for you to have this abundant life. And I don't know why we cheapen it. I don't know why we treat it like it's no big deal. We need to appreciate the blood of Jesus. We need to appreciate the price that was paid. Acts 20, 28, let's go back to this. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So notice Paul says he purchased the church and the price of the purchase was the blood of Jesus. So the church wasn't free. He didn't attain the church freely, but remember he purchased the church by his blood. In 1 Peter 1.17, it says, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. So don't live casually. Now, the fear is not an ungodly fear. This is him saying you need to have a deep reverence and a sense of responsibility for the price that was paid to redeem you. Do not regard yourself as cheap. I came to tell every Christian listening that you are not cheap. There was nothing cheap about Christ purchasing you. And so I don't care what you think about yourself. I don't care how negative you are about yourself. Christ paid the ultimate price to have you. He literally purchased you. And so when you realize that you've been redeemed and you've been bought back by the blood of the lamb, you don't have to look at yourself as a worthless sheep or as a cheap sheep. You are not a cheap sheep. You are not a worthless believer, a little grasshopper that the devil stomps on. You've been purchased God himself purchased you by the blood of Jesus. 
So stop walking around like you're no big deal. Stop walking around like God didn't purchase you and pay the ultimate price to have you. So the next time the devil says, you're worthless, you're not good enough, you, you're never gonna amount to anything. God doesn't really love you. Come on, I'm silencing the devil tonight. God doesn't have a plan for you. You are a mistake. No one at the church likes you. That's why you have no opportunity. You need to respond to the devil. You are a liar. I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. That if I was the only one on the earth, he would have went to the cross because I was worth it. And I am not cheap. I am not anemic. I am not weak. I have the power of God. I have the blood of Jesus running through my veins so so live with that fear live with that intensity that there's a responsibility to walking this thing out and to living in this thing now i want to go into first peter 1 17 let's move into verses 18 and 19 of first peter chapter 1. look at what peter says he says knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things so you were not redeemed by physical things here's what he says like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but but with the precious blood of Christ as a as of a lamb without blemish and without spot so peter says you are not purchased with money with castles with cars with silver with gold but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish or without spot again we see that Jesus paid the price to redeem us with his blood he's called the lamb of god who had no blemish no spot now what does this mean listen to me closely a blemish is something an animal would be born with okay if, you, if an animal had a blemish they were not allowed to bring animals with blemishes or spots the animal was born with a defect that was a blemish a spot was something that would come upon the animal after so if the animal got hurt or something happened to the animal or it was an imperfection after it was born that would be a spot but here's what you need to realize the bible says that there was no spot or blemish he was without spot or blemish and this is what this means he had no original sin so he wasn't born with sin and he had no personal sin he didn't sin after he was born this is what it means when it says he had no spot and he had no blemish now because of this he was able to buy us back the only way to buy us back is if there was a lamb without spot blemish or wrinkle he had to be sinless to be able to purchase us back remember the word redemption means to buy something back psalms chapter 130 verse 7 says "O israel hope in the lord for with the lord there is mercy and with him is abundant redemption listen to this closely there's abundant redemption notice it says abundant redemption and not redemption the nlt version says redemption that overflows abundant redemption means you guessed it jesus overpaid it means he paid more than something's worth if you go buy a car and they say okay you could buy this car for a thousand dollars and you say well the car is only worth five hundred dollars you're asking a thousand well you know what i'll give you two thousand you're giving not only what they're asking but you're giving way more than the car's even worth you're giving abundance that's an abundant redemption so notice the bible says that I'm going, Jesus says, I'm going to take something that's broken like you, something that's worthless, something that's hurt, something that's full of shame, guilt, condemnation, and I'm not just going to buy you back. I'm going to overpay for you. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to give everything on that cross. So understand that God is extremely generous. He's not stingy. He's not holding out on you. God said, I want the church so bad. I want you in my family so bad that I will pay the price and then some to make sure that we have relationship. I will literally, come on, can we get some ones in the chat? I will literally overpay for you. 
Was Isaiah worth the shed blood of Jesus? Absolutely not. I was not only an atheist, I was depressed, I was angry, I was bitter, I was racist, I was addicted, I was hard-hearted, I had nothing to offer God. I want you to think about this. This is where you were. Remember back to the vomit of where you were. Remember back to the depression of where you were. When you had nothing to offer God, and God says, I am going to overpay for you. I'm going to buy you back. Now, there is no force in hell that's going to stop me from buying you back. And I'm going to use my blood as the purchase price. Could I have done something else? Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to overpay because you are worth it. And you're telling me that's not a God worth giving your life to? You're telling me that God has to beg you to walk in holiness? You're telling me God has to beg you to share your testimony? You're telling me that God has to beg you to open up your mouth? This is the call. This is the gospel. This is the good news that you've been purchased by royal blood. And it wasn't the blood of just some random man. This was God leaving eternity. The Bible says that God was rich, but became poor so that we might become rich in God. Understand, friend, that he was in heaven. He, he didn't have to do any of this. And he entered a man. He subjected himself. Do you, do you understand that Jesus was in a womb for nine months? Have you thought about this before? He, subje he subjects himself. He leaves a throne. He's in heaven. He comes into a womb, and he chills in a womb for nine months. The Son of God, God himself, wraps himself in humanity, takes on flesh, leaves divinity, leaves leaves heaven, considers himself unto a man, humbles himself and washes feet. And then not only that, but Jesus is a child. He's a teenager. And I mean, imagine I always thought about Joseph and Mary, like him getting in trouble. And then it's like, Jesus didn't clean his room. What are we going to do? And Mary's like, Joseph, you need to spank Jesus. He didn't clean his room. And Joseph's like, I have to spank the son of God. I mean, like, think about this. Like you, he was raised as a child, I look at my kids and I'm like, Jesus was raised as a kid. Now he's probably an awesome kid. We don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm sure he was an awesome kid because he never sinned. But just think about this. This is the son of God that subjects himself to humanity so that he could buy us back. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to come down and die on a cross. He subjects himself to 33 years and then dies on a cross, subjects himself to his parents, subjects himself to religious people, and then dies on a cross so that me and you might be made righteous through him. And you're, t and you're telling me that you're struggling to understand your value and your worth. There's power in the blood of Jesus. But the question is, how do we appropriate the blood? Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him. So the believers were they overcame him who Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. So understand what Revelation 12, 11 is saying. Only those who have laid down their lives have lost their lives. Not, mar not just martyrs have lost their lives, have given everything, can be considered overcomers. Now, if you are a watered down, halfway in, halfway out, lukewarm, bench warming, pew sitting Christian, this is not your verse. This is not what you are not an overcomer. This is for those to be eligible to be an overcomer. You have to not love your life even until death. Remember, Jesus said the steps to follow me in Luke 9, 23, deny yourself, take up your cross, lay down your life. That's how you do it. You lay it down. You literally lay it down and say, it's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. So the people that John is referring to in Revelation 12, 11 are those who have laid down their lives, have given their lives. And now that I've laid my life down, I've given my life to Jesus. I now qualify to overcome Satan because I give, I've given my life and my life no longer belongs to me. And I've died to this life and I've been made alive in Christ. Satan has no more power over me. 
Remember, Satan is not at all concerned or frightened by Christians who are uncommitted. Committed. He's not, he's not frightened by pew warmers. They have no impact on his king, kingdom. The only Christians that Satan is frightened by, has nightmares about, are those that have laid their lives down. So if you haven't laid your life down, you're not an overcomer. You have no power over Satan. So you need to get to this place where you say, Lord, I'm laying my life down. I'm dead to self. Remember, the Bible says they did not love their lives even unto death. And this is what it means. For them, staying alive was not their number one priority. Priority number one was doing the will of God, whether they lived or not, their greatest obligation was to remain faithful to the will of God. And there's many of you in the chat that would say, I would die for God, but we don't even live for God. And friend, I want to tell you right now that if you aren't willing to live for God every day now, you're not going to die for God. When they start taking heads, when persecution comes, when now in other countries, you already know because you're in persecution as you listen to this, but I'm talking to all you Americans that have never been persecuted. And by the way, someone making fun of you on Facebook is not part persecution. And you're actually persecuted. You say, Lord, I would die for you. I'll lay down my life. But you don't even live for him now. You don't even read your Bible now. You don't even pray now. I'm telling you, if you don't live for him, you're not going to die for him. So many of us, we struggle to read the Bible or pray in the comfort of our own home. Yet we think that we're going to die for God. And I promise you, you're not going to die for God. You're not going to be willing to lose your head if you're not even willing to live for him now. Now, the Bible says in 1 John 2, 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Think about this. Everything is going to pass away, the world and its desires, but whoever does the will of God is going to live forever. The only thing left standing is those who do God's will. Notice it doesn't just say Christians. Notice it doesn't say those that go to church on Sunday. Notice it doesn't say those that tithe. It says those that do the will of God. What is the will of God? The will of God is that you would preach the gospel, you'd heal the sick, you'd raise the dead, you'd cast out demons, you'd baptize, you'd disciple, and you'd be active in the things of God. Jesus said, I do the will of my Father who sent me, that I have food that you know not of, and that is doing the will of my Father. So understand the only thing that is going to live forever and remain are those that do the will of Father. Everything else is going to go. So I'm saying, Lord, tonight I want to be one that does your will. I want to be one that follows you. I want to be one that knows you. I want to be one that serves you. I don't want to be one of those people that pass away. I don't want to be one of those people that don't know you. I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. I want to serve you and I want to honor you. And this is what you need to understand is when you fully surrender to God, you become undefeatable. You become unshakable. You become unsinkable. You become unstoppable. It doesn't matter whether you live or whether you die. It doesn't matter whatever happens you say i'm already dead you can't threaten me satan you can't kill me satan because i'm already dead and my life is not my own and this is the mentality that we need going into the end times that i'm already a dead man there's nothing you can do to a man that's already dead they'll say do you get offended you can't offend a dead man i've already died with christ and i've made been made alive with him so you have to understand that there is power when you die to self there is power when you recognize that in the blood of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus, there is power for you to die and for him to make may lie to Christ. So the three components in Revelation 12, 11 on overcoming Satan is the blood, the word, and the testimony. Those are the three components. So literally, you testify personally to what the word says the blood does for you. You make it personal. You tell people what the blood of Jesus has done for you in terms of your personal testimony. You let the enemy know what the word of God says the blood has done for you. The blood has broken my shame. 
The blood has broken my guilt. Come on, some of you need to say this. The blood has made me whole. The blood has cleansed me. The blood has washed me. The blood has justified me. The blood has redeemed me. The blood has made me righteous with God. What has the blood done for you? What has Jesus done in your life that you can test about, testify about? Because remember, it's the testimony of what the blood of the lamb has done in your life that gives you eligibility to overcome darkness. So this is why Satan hates the blood of Jesus because it was the blood that healed, that delivered, that protects you that protected you. In the old covenant during Passover, they were putting blood over the doorposts of people's houses with hyssop, with a plant, a hyssop plant. So they were using the hyssop plant to apply the blood over the doorposts. In the new covenant, the hyssop plant is our testimony. How do we apply the blood? It's not a plant that we use to apply the blood. It's our testimony. Our personal testimony is what takes the blood out of the basin and applies it to our lives, our situation, our family, and the people around us. Why? Because nobody can argue your testimony. Nobody can debate your testimony. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. All I know is I was deaf, but now I hear. All I know is I was lost, but now I found. All I know is I was bound for years, and now I'm free. All I know is I was addicted for years, but now I've been delivered. Something happened when I met him. I have never and I will never be the same. This is the blood of Jesus. There is power tonight in the blood. I believe, and I'm going to go deeper as we go in the weeks to come. I have a lot more I want to talk about on the blood of Jesus, but I believe tonight that there is power in the blood of Jesus and that God is bringing breakthrough by his blood. He's bringing breakthrough by his spirit and that the blood of Jesus is coming over your family. It's coming over your house. It's bringing divine protection. It's bringing divine revelation. It's bringing healing, that there is healing in the blood, that there is deliverance in the blood. We come against every contract and assignment right now of the enemy and we plead the blood of Jesus against against you Satan every contract is oh come on help me Holy Ghost tonight every contract is broken by the blood of Jesus it's broken it's broken I said by the blood of Jesus so you need to thank God for the blood you need to appreciate the blood we need to honor the blood of Jesus we say Lord thank you for your blood thank thank you for what you did on the cross thank you Lord we don't take it lightly we don't take the blood lightly. I hope, guys, that you have a, a hunger and excitement. We're going to go to communion right now because this is a perfect day. We do it once a month. This is a perfect day because tonight is game over for Satan. Tonight is game over for Satan. He's the life taker. Jesus is a life giver. And it is by the blood we've been redeemed, we've been washed, and we overcome. And I'll go in the weeks to come more ways we apply the blood more of the things the bible says about the blood but know that you've been purchased by the blood and we're going to take communion so i'm going to give you a second to get it ready i have mine right here in my little church cup right here so there's my communion i just have grape juice in there and i have just like a little cracker here if you want to get your communion your cracker your bread whatever it is everyone go grab their communion because right now we are going to end this we're, or we're not going to end yet but we're going to end this part of the stream with communion we're an hour and 11 minutes in here and we're going to take communion if you don't know what communion is i'll give you a quick background on communion it's a symbolic way that we show the world and we remind ourselves that we belong to jesus okay we all know we're forgetful we all know that we don't even remember what we ate yesterday we don't remember what we ate a, uh, a week ago i don't even remember what i did this morning so we're forgetful people the blood this communion reminds us of what jesus did on the cross it brings it back into remembrance it brings us into remembrance the sacrificial death of jesus 
the breaking and the eating of the bread has to do with Christ's body being broken. So the bread or the cracker represents the body broken. And I know there's a lot of new people, so I'm going to share this again here. And the drinking of the blood has to do with the shed blood of Christ, which I just talked about for an hour, on which we are now forgiven. Now, communion was originally celebrated in Exodus chapter 12 as a promise of God's protection during the Passover, which I won't go deep into. But... Jesus redefined the celebration of the Passover when him and his disciples gathered together to do communion. Luke 22, 19 says, he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus took the Passover, redefined it, and now we take communion to commemorate and to remember what Jesus did on the cross. Now, there's something that I always do before taking communion that some people don't do, but I think it's very important because the Bible says to do it, is that before we take communion is that we examine ourselves, okay? So examine yourself. That's found in 1 Corinthians 11:27. 27. It says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord and eats eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. So you need to recognize before we take communion, we're just gonna examine ourselves. Now, this is not me, this does not say if you're not perfect, you can't take communion. But what this is saying is we need to take this seriously. This is not a joke. It's not a game. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's something very serious. And we recognize that and we take it seriously. So we don't just take it lightly and think it's no big deal. So right now, let's just examine ourselves and let's just repent here of any sin that we may have committed. Let's come before God and repent of it. Say, Lord, I repent of anger, Lord. I repent, God, that I got angry. I repent that I lied. I repent that I did this or whatever it is that you need to repent. I want you to examine yourself and I want you to look inside yourself and just begin to ask the Lord for his forgiveness. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. So right now, God is offering forgiveness right now. Maybe you need to get saved right now. Then you tell the Lord, say, God, I want to give you everything. I want to lay my life down and follow you. This is the good news is that you can lay your life down and you can have a brand new life in Christ. So if that's you right now, maybe you just need to get saved right here and you need God to save you and you need God to touch you. Just ask him, say, Lord, I've turned from you. But right now I confess my rebellion and I turn back to you. I will no longer be a rebel. I will no longer be rebellious. I will no longer fight against you. But tonight, Lord, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to recognize what you did on the cross was real, that what you did on the cross was holy, and that what you did on the cross was for me. And so just accept that. Again, just examine yourself. Father, we just pray you would search our heart. If there's any sin in our life, God, point it out, point it out, point it out. Wash us, cleanse us, redeem us, God. Before we take this, I pray, Lord, we just thank you for what you did on the cross. And we just thank you, God for what you're doing. We examine ourselves and we pray that no one in this chat tonight, there's 2,500 of you, would take this lightly, but every one of us, God, would take this in a worthy manner. Okay, now we're going to first take our bread. I know there's a lot of you, if it's your first time, type one. Many of you are first time, so we're gonna take our bread. I have a cracker here. No, everyone hold it up. Don't eat it yet. And I'm gonna read you 1 Corinthians 11, 23. It said, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, which we just did, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Okay, so that's, we're going to get this. This is in remembrance of the body, 
A lot of people doing it for the first time, as you can see on screen. We're going to do this in remembrance of the body. So go ahead and take your bread, and you can go ahead and eat the bread or eat the cracker, whatever you have. Okay. Next, we're going to take our, our juice, and this represents the blood. And I'm going to read you 1 Corinthians 11.25. It says, in the same way, he took the cup, which we have right here, also after supper, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Okay, so now we're going to take the blood and you can go ahead and drink whatever you have. We're going to drink that. Go ahead. Okay, and I'm going to read one last verse and then we're going to pray. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's just thank him right now for what he's done. Just go ahead and put your hands up. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for what you did on the cross. God, we thank you that every drop of blood breaks breaks the power of the enemy, that every drop of blood mattered, God, that there was not one drop that was in vain, but we thank you for every single drop of blood that was spilled. Lord, we thank you that you've redeemed us, God. We thank you that you've bought us back, Lord. We thank you that you've purchased the church through your blood. And God, tonight we ask that the blood of Jesus would cleanse us according to your word. The blood of Jesus would wash us according to your word. The blood of Jesus that has redeemed us, Lord, we ask you right now that it would just wash over us right now. And that the blood of Jesus is, is against every demonic spirit, every demonic assignment, every plan of the enemy, every sickness. We just ask, Lord, that your blood would be over us. We know that we were healed because of what you did. Your word says that we are healed, past tense, because of what you did on that whipping post. So Father, I just pray right now, not only God do we thank you for the blood, but I just pray right now, God, for divine healing just to be released in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, over every person that's listening to this, that they would be healed in Jesus' mighty name, that they would be restored in Jesus' mighty name. I speak healing over your body right now. We command all sickness to go. We command all disease to go. We command all pain to go in Jesus' name, all nerve damage, all ligament damage, all tendons. We command to be healed right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray the blood of Jesus over our children right now. Come on, just pray that right now. The blood of Jesus, God. We plead the blood over our children. We plead the blood over our marriage. We plead the blood over our jobs, over our businesses, God. We pray the blood of Jesus would just bring cleansing, would bring breakthrough, God, would, bre would break all the power of darkness, God. We thank you that you are the life giver, not the life taker. And so, Father, we ask you right now that we would have a new revelation of who you are and that we would stop underappreciating the blood that you've shed for us. Right now, Holy Spirit, we pray revival to break out in homes. We pray revival to break out in marriages. We pray revival to break out in children. We pray that our children would live in revival. We pray that our children would have the fire of God. Lord, release your anointing in Jesus' name. Remove the weight in Jesus' name. We just pray that every weight would lift. The power of discouragement is broken in Jesus' name. The power of discouragement is broken in Jesus' name. The power of sickness, of tiredness, of weariness, come off of them now in Jesus' name. Sickness, come off of them now in Jesus' name. You have no power, sickness. The Lord is against you right now. We speak healing. I command your body to come in alignment with God's word in Jesus' name. We command your body to come in alignment in Jesus' name. Body be healed. Body be restored. We drive out now in Jesus' name. Every demonic spirit that's held you in bondage, every demonic spirit that's held you in bondage, we drive it out now. We say up and out in Jesus' name. 
You must go in Jesus' name. You have no power. You have no strength. We command you to go. Go in Jesus' name, Satan. Go in Jesus' name, Satan. Every thief, leave in Jesus' name. Every curse is broken in Jesus' name. Every spell that was put against you, all witchcraft, come off your mind now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. Up and out now. Every unclean spirit, up and out now in Jesus' name. Every sickness must go in Jesus' name. We pray the healing power of God. We pray the anointing of God to be released in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit power. We pray for your Holy Spirit fire. We pray for your Holy Spirit anointing right now. We say be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would baptize us in the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And those lies, I hear the Lord saying, I'm silencing the voice of the avenger, the voice of the enemy. I'm silencing it right now. I'm praying to myself, over myself, guys, the, the lies the enemy has fed you, that he's tried to discourage you. He's tried to discourage you. We silence his lies right now in Jesus' name. No more discouragement in Jesus' name. We come against discouragement now in Jesus' name. Every voice, every lie, tiredness, weariness, discouragement, go in Jesus' name. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, release your power right now. Release your fire right now. God, I plead your blood over every person watching, over every person listening, over every person praying the blood of Jesus right now. We plead the blood of Jesus right now. We plead the blood of Jesus right now. We break every demonic contract. We break every demonic assignment. We break every plan of the enemy. We break every strategy right now. Satan, you are bound. You will not lie to the people of God any longer. You will not lie to the people of God any longer, but you're being free right now. I see people that are in chains being free right now. I see snakes that have been wrapped around your mind being, being uncoiled right now. That Your mind is being free. Your emotions are being freed right now. Your will, you've been having just a hard time making the right choices. We break every demonic spirit right now. We crucify our flesh in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to crucify our flesh. Help us to be hungry for your word. Help us to be hungry to pray, God. Let us not have to force ourselves to do it, but God, I pray you'd release it in Jesus' name. Financial blessing right now. Finances right now be released in Jesus' name. We break poverty. Poverty, you have no power. Poverty, you have no power in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill every person listening, those that have been believing for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I say be filled in Jesus' mighty name. Be filled in Jesus. I pray for, for myself, Lord, that you would fill me right now. Right now. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd fill me right now in Jesus' name. Come on, just ask him to overflow. Ask him to fill you. Abundant life, he says. Abundant redemption. He overpaid for you. Come on, ask him right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. If you've never prayed in the Spirit, I just begin to open up your mouth right now and pray in the Spirit. This is not speaking in tongues for an interpretation. This is praying in the Spirit. We are praying in the Spirit. Fill us, Holy Ghost. Fill us, Holy Ghost. Fill us, Holy Ghost. Right now, come on, just ask Him. 
Ya kamata sandi alamando kun deseti alamande ke release it Holy Spirit breakthrough. I'm not letting up till this breaks through, guys. There's breakthrough in Jesus' name. Tonight is your night for breakthrough. Tonight is your night for the chains to be broken in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you've made every power and principality. You shame them at the cross. You disarm them at the cross. And we receive the abundant life. Just say that right now. I receive the abundant life. I'm tired of being the tail. I'm tired of being the tail. I'm tired of being drug around. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Holy Spirit. Make us a prayer meeting. Make our body a prayer meeting. Use our body as a, as a house of prayer, God. Holy Spirit. Come on, the Holy Ghost wants to have a prayer meeting on the inside of you. Come on, I like that. The Holy Spirit wants to have a prayer meeting on the inside of you. Let him have your body. Romans 12, give your body to God. This is one of the most life-changing revelations you'll ever understand. When you give your body to God, you say, it's no longer mine, but I give it to God. Let the Holy Ghost have a prayer meeting on the inside of you tonight. Lord, we receive it right now. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill our children with their Holy Spirit. Fill our children with the Holy Spirit right now. We break off worthlessness. We break off unworthiness. We break off lies of the enemy, assignments and attacks right now. Every spiritual attack is broken now. Every Every carnal mindset, every carnal Christian, we pray the blood of Jesus to cleanse, to wash, and to purify in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost fire be released in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost fire be released in Jesus' name. Satan, you are a liar, and you will stop lying to these people in Jesus' name. Lord, make us a house of prayer. Come on, last thing, pray that. Lord, make me a house of prayer. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.